On this week's episode of Slashers, we discuss why the Bad Batch should have been called the Bad Bitch. Be sure to stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special track from A New Chapter. pissed off because this movie doesn't have a tagline so how do i introduce slashes podcast a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror my name is jake and with me for the first time outside of our patreon bonus stuff is my esteemed colleague co-host and cohort adrian adrian say hello to the mutant goons from beyond hey guys so this is your first time podcasting ever yes that's amazing and am i your first podcast you've listened to Yes. Yeah. That blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, I've known about podcasts. I've known what they are. I never really wanted to listen to anything. And then I found out there they were horror podcasts. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So here we are. There you go. You can get incredibly niche with podcasts nowadays, which is awesome. Like I found a boxing history podcast that focuses solely on people of color. And I was like, hell yeah, that's like a niche within a niche. That's the stuff I'm talking about. So what movie are we reviewing this evening? The Bad Batch. And I don't know how to say her last name, Amarpour. Oh, yeah. I uh, was hoping that you might be able Anna Lily Amarpour. I'm just going to assume that's right. Because she's also a member of some kind of Persian film community that I saw on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess we could Google it. So Googling now <laughs> and I sound wicked smart because she is Persian. Oh, man. Hopefully people didn't hear my typing. It's fine. But yeah, she's she's Persian, Iranian, or and uh, but she was born in England and then she moved to Miami, which is what I think inspired one of the characters in the movie. And then she... Moved to California, I want to say. Do I have my notes? I have like no, a million pages of notes. That's here, awesome. So. so you're still doing what I used. I used to be the guy with like 12 pages of notes. And I was like, I'm just doing all digital. But then what's great is my wife has to hear me complain about Google Docs all the time. Because I'll be typing and all of a sudden it's just like out of nowhere changes where I'm typing. And I'm like, son of a fucking bitch. And she's just like, calm down. And I'm like, I don't want to type my notes again. And this is why. I need to hire an assistant. So if you guys want to throw in Patreon money, I'll just pay a young scribe. Uh, you remember the cookies and cream, cookies and cream? I'm a little bo- Oh, berries and cream. The berries and cream guy. Remember that commercial? I'm going to pay that fucking kid to write my notes with a quill. There you go. That works. We'll all pitch in. So just to be absolutely certain, we are definitely not talking about the 2010 Abe Schwartz film about some weed brownies. And we are certainly not <laughs> no. talking about... How the fuck did you do this to me? You have me do a movie, Bad Batch, the week after Star Wars, the Bad Batch TV show gets announced. And all of my Google searches are just like, clearly you meant Star Wars, right? That's what you meant. Mm-hmm. No, you, no. You, you didn't, but you did. So you, like, here's all the Star Wars news. No, I like literally when I went to Google it, I saw that. And then I thought that you would think that it was the Star Wars one. And I was just, um, I, I, you know, whatever. I was going to go with the flow. Like if that was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> just fake it. Like, oh, sure. What the fuck ever? Yeah. Why not? Sure. I love Star Wars. Yeah. yeah woo. So. 
kind of horrific in some ways, right? So, Truly yeah. it is. We had done, so Jim and I had done many moons ago, there was a movie called Black Angel that came out that George Lucas had produced to come out before Empire Strikes Back, which is really fun. I highly recommend it. But you know the episodes of Star Wars, the Clone Wars, where they got into like the spookier stuff with like blood magic and stuff. That's, I'm, I'm cool. Let's do that. But the oh, stuff where sure. it's like, let's talk about our feelings and the good guys win. What the fuck is that? That's pointless. <laughs> no kidding. Shall we get into the statistics for this week? Yeah, let's do it. This film was shot on a budget of $6 million over a whopping 28 days. Do you know how much it grossed at the box office? Uh, I probably have it on my nuts in my Bahamas. $201,890. And I know people are like, what a fucking failure. I could totally make a movie better than that in my garage. Well. It doesn't really count because this movie was a video on demand and only did limited theatrical screenings so as mm -hmm. to enter film festivals. So just so y'all know, it debuted at the Venice Film Festival September 9th, 2016. And thereat is where Netflix and screen media films require the streaming video on demand rights. Boom. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I noted that it did a lot of film festivals. I read about it on Bloody Disgusting, and they were doing a pig roast to kind of celebrate with it <laughs> or whatever. And I just, I, I read the description of the movie. I really wanted to see it. And then I just happened to see it a couple of years ago. It was on Netflix. I saved it and I forgot about it and then I watched it. I was blown away. So, I mean, it's not super traditional i'd say as a horror film right but i mean it has its moments i would say it's not horror it's horrific but yeah i i am also like i've said many a time i'm a huge advocate and proponent for classifying things as horror in terms of the story so often people want to be like, oh, well, it's not overly grotesque. And I'm like, well, let's think about the substance of what people are going through, right? Like the Avengers. Let's talk about that. You're just sitting there. You're having a caramel macchiato or some bullshit in New York. You're sitting there with your pinky out and a little stirring stick. And all of a sudden, a giant space caterpillar covered in spikes crashes through a window, murdering people with rubble. That is horrifying. So mm -hmm. ergo, the Avengers is a horror film. Probably has the biggest body count of wow. A lot of people died in that one. Um, yeah, especially dude. Because of Loki, and I love Loki, so I kind of felt bad for loving him so much. Like but. when he rips the dude's fucking eyeball out of his head. <laughs> Takes me it's to great. Bonerville. Opening weekend was it's kind of here and there. So the Venice Film Festival was September 9th, 2016. It was also at the Toronto International Film Festival, and then it was. United States, June 23rd, 2017. Of the horror films of 2017, how does this hold up? Um, did well, I put you on blast? Out? Yes, you did. I didn't actually look and see what else came out that year. but um, So I'll look at just the month of June. Okay. Even though it, it doesn't really work to compare video on demand to actual theaters. I'm going to do it because it's my show and that's what I'm allowed to do. So probably the most horrific film that they had that month was Cars 3. <laughs> no, just kidding. 
Just be that's a little thing we do on the show called humor. No, it comes at night came out that month. <laughs> oh. 47 meters down came out that month. Oh yeah. The god awful Transformers The Last Night. Last night, she said. I did not see that one. Oh, Grimlock, don't be sorry. So- sorry. I had to mention <laughs> Grimlock because he's my favorite. But yeah, so in terms of competition, there was a lot of movies. I mean, you had Wonder Woman, Despicable Me 3, Spider Man, blah, oh, that's blah. Right, Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, as, as far as everything else, obviously 47 meters down. At least I know that with the kids, that was very popular. It's PG-13, right? <laughs> with the kids. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah. So they like to go see, you know, the PG-13. And then they come in to tell me all about it. And they ruin it for me and all of that. So, you know. But there's these girls. And they're in a cage. And there's sharks. And then, yeah, uh, totally. One <laughs> thing that's worth noting is Bong Joon Hoy's Okja came out and that's a fun movie because people are like oh it's a movie about like little kids oh, and yeah. there's a cute hippo and then it's like fuck you for not being vegan you're ruining the world I hope you die on fire so that's Isn't fun. It's like a really sad ending and that's yeah. exactly why I won't watch that because yes. I can't I can't I can watch people like being murdered but I can't watch like bad things happening to animals or fuck emotions i'm not into that fake animals well you're totally right you're talking to the prissy vegan of the show where i'm like ooh, let's not i'm sorry um also mm-hmm. a good note is the next month in july a ghost story came out by a24 films that's a super fun one casey affleck stars in it oh okay i know exactly what you're talking about i have it somewhere it's it's I, not I, like I, horror but it's like spooky Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do this thing where, you know, we'll download and like have all these movies to watch and then we just never watch them. So download them legally if anyone legally. is listening. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so making sure that disclaimer is put out as your counsel of record. I cannot have you. We stream them through a platform like Voodoo. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Chad lets me steal his Voodoo and that is why I keep him affiliated with the show. <laughs> That's his contribution. That's great. Exactly. Well, I used to steal his Adobe suite and then he had to like go get that through works. Now I have to pay for that out of our sweet ass Patreon money. Oh, I know. The runtime on the film, 115 minutes. What do you think of it? I I could have been a little bit shorter. Yeah. In particular, I feel the part that lagged. I know everyone's going to hate me for saying this is the part where she's back in the house with Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. And so, like, he's talking about shit, and I'm like, I I always, and I watch this three times now, I always kind of, like, drift off into something else, and I come, and I I remember I'm watching a movie, I'm like, oh, shit, let me pay attention to the shit part, right? So, And it's a post-John Wick world, so when you see him under the blue gel lights, you're like, oh, he's going to grab her by the hair and shoot her in the face. Oh, he's just talking? Yeah, he did nothing. And, 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 you know, that was probably the only reason I got my boyfriend to actually sit and watch the movie with me the first time. I'm like, oh, kind of reasons in it. So you're going to love it. Not knowing what the hell was going to happen. Yeah, I tried to call um, my wife into it. I was like, so Jim Carrey, Keanu Reeves and Jason Momoa walk into a bar. And she was like, OK, I'm not going to watch that. But go ahead. <laughs> I think you can win a lot of people over with Jim Carrey, but he's almost unrecognizable. Like I had to convince Dan that, yes, that is Jim Carrey. I mean, you can 
I can tell it's him, but I actually really like his performance in this because yeah, it's it's silly, but like the idea of a pantomime character makes me happy because I am a huge Harpo Marx fan. And so anytime you have a character like that, whether it's Silent Bob or whomever, like I love the idea of evoking conversation without words. I do that with my daughter a lot and my wife will get annoyed because I'll go as long as I can having a semblance of a conversation without actually articulating. And she's like, you're going to make her developmentally deficient. I'm like, no, I'm going to make her sophisticated because my wife, fun fact, cannot play charades for her life. Never (laughs) understands what you're doing. You're doing the hand gestures and she's like, too much conversating as a child. Now your daughter will be an expert. So there you go. She'll be half and half. <laughs> but yeah, no. So I, I mean, if, well, that was the one thing about the movie though, too, is that what, there's about a half an hour in the movie and there's no dialogue whatsoever. And I was reading about her. Anna Lily Amrapar, and they call her Lily and everything I've been reading. So I'm just going to call her Lily from now on. She suffers from 30% hearing loss. So she can't really hear too well. Oh, interesting. So yeah. And they were saying that that's why she, and including a girl walks home alone at night. Yeah. Not a lot of dialogue in that film either. So, you know, I thought that was interesting because I really feel like that the movie doesn't really need dialogue, especially in the beginning. I mean, it's, you can figure out everything that's going on. You don't need any speaking, right? I mean, they're sawing off her appendages. What do you need people talking for? And you're just watching this girl go through all the shit. And I honestly, I think the movie could have gone without the dialogue. And I think it's better without, if I'm honest. Because yeah. at a certain point, you're rooting for it to just keep going, you know, mm-hmm. we're like, all right, it might be awkward, but you've made it this far. Let's see how far we can go. And especially when you have two actors who decide that that whole accent thing is kind of fluid and just kind of makes you go, man, like, are you Cuban or are you Mr. Hawaiian Tropics model? Which voice are we going to do here, friend? <laughs> I know. It was, I know. It's Poor bad. <laughs> it's worse than like Scott Hall doing Razor Ramon, where it's like, yo, Chico, like it's he. But, you know, I understand why it's a lot of pressure from studio and stuff. But I think that it is a much better movie if you get all the way up to the kid and the kid's like, I want spaghetti, 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 because then it makes that would be such a real like attention relief. Instead of that being the most annoying part of the movie, it'd be the most adorable, I think. Oh, yeah. And then, the you know, what she ends up getting besides the spaghetti like yeah. i slapped so hard when they showed her face like i felt so bad for her but i i did laugh when her the little tears in her eyes and she's still eating the bunny and i'm like oh no that's so sad just like fatal attraction oh my gosh yes and then she boiled the bunny i oh, love it god so you had referenced it anna lily amrapour wrote and directed this film after doing a girl walks home alone that film she entirely crowdfunded until she got like a significant portion of otherwise, but she got 57 grand from Indiegogo, which means that she probably oh, wow. made $10 because Indiegogo apparently takes a huge lot of money. And that movie made 600 grand at the box office. So coming out of the gates, firing on all cylinders, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's why people expected so much from this one. And, you know, they, if they did not enjoy it, which obviously I was sharing some of the, the raving reviews. <laughs> yeah. for raving, not rave. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate it. So I don't, you know, I feel like it's some of this is just a little, obviously it's objective. I mean, if you don't like cannibal, cannibal movies, then why are you watching 
this one. I feel like you could have had a more on the nose name than the Bad Batch. You know, something mm-hmm. that kind of alludes to the fact that people are going to be eaten alive. But exactly your point. If you look at a poster or anything, you should very well be able to tell this is at least partially post-apocalyptic, if not entirely. And so when she was writing the film, she had based it a lot on L.A.'s Skid Row, which I actually had a friend who was LAPD and used to work that beat. And the horror stories he had told me about, like people just being dropped off there with, you know, an IV bag still strapped to them with no identification and no money just to wander the streets and stuff. Some crazy things. And what's interesting is she said that by the time she returned there three years later in her film career, The gentrification had gone to a point where so many of those people were completely marginalized that it was just like a different place. Could you imagine how like odd and surreal that would feel? Oh, for sure. For sure. So that's that's interesting because I didn't even see any of that. So you must have really went into this because I feel very unprepared now. But anyway... It's a competition. And so I had to step it up because you were like, oh, here's four articles. And I was like, oh, really? Well, my co-hosts on this show just steal my notes. So now I have to put you in your place. Okay. Well, I deserve it, I guess. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I like the challenge because it's cool because it's like, I always love the idea of like the learning tree, you know, and We've talked about this and and this might be a little bit inside baseball, but I one of the things that frustrates me so much is I occupy two spaces on the show where I'm like the analytics guy and then I'm the color commentary guy reacting to myself. And so I talk way more than I want on the show. So please just take my show and I'll just say plucky things in the background. Okay. Sounds good. I mean, no, it's a, you're a good filler. So while I'm trying to recollect my thoughts, you just go ahead and talk. Waka waka. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I, I don't know. What, what should we start with? Like, what is something? Well, let's start with her. So she went on after this to do a lot of TV stuff. She had done a couple I episodes. Saw. Legion, Castle Rock, Twilight Zone. You know, that's some that's some pretty good credits nowadays. And TV pays really well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's doing fine. I did read some interesting things about some people accusing her of... I don't know if you saw this, but of, you know, being racially insensitive or whatever. And I don't know if I really got that from this one. So I don't know. I, did you get that from this movie? No. Like, so, I mean, maybe with Miami, man. Exactly <laughs> but- my point. Yeah. Because it's going to, I think we're reaching an era where just anybody playing with a different accent or a different ethnicity, you're going to have people be like, oh, well, you're, you're misinterpreting, you're, you know, you're misrepresenting an entire class of people. And I don't think that's fair. You know, while mm-hmm. Momoa's acting sucks, I don't think that the guy should lose a job just because he isn't that. And that might be a very naive white kid perspective, but that's part of acting is placing yourself into another persona. Like when John Travolta was in the classic film Battlefield Earth, he wasn't really an alien, you know? (laughs) I know, exactly. Fun fact. I don't know if people knew that. He he might act like an alien, but he's actually a terrestrial human. And so... (laughs) When you're having these people like evoke anything else or do anything else, you're going to run the risk where it's like, oh, well, you're from Southern California, bro. You can't talk with a British accent. And it's just that's a very tricky sticking point to me. I know it's 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 ridiculous. I, I, I don't know. Again, he didn't need to really speak in the movie. I thought he did great without having to speak at all. So the it fact worked that he for did him speak, in uh, Game of Thrones or whatever the fuck. Exactly. I know if he can be Drogo and not speak, why can't he be? You know, but it, it, whatever. So besides the point, but it wasn't even that. It was an article that I'd read and somebody accused her of being racially insensitive towards black people because two black people die in a movie. Oh. And But right before 
two white people die in the movie. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if I'm qualified to even talk about this. Yeah, Cause you're not even white. Hey, don't you speak on my behalf. You're taking away my, <laughs> I'm just, the look of panic people, on no, your face. I'm, it's I'm, my mom is Polish. My dad is Puerto Rican. Oh so really? That's I a mean, fun blend. Yes, I'm a mixed, whatever, what have you. So, I mean, whatever. I just, I thought that was ridiculous. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it because I mean, white people die in the movie too. So but not enough white people die. I think that's probably the problem is I have a, a philosophy in most films that more white people should die just to make other white people uncomfortable and make them always afraid. <laughs> I feel like white people have had it too good for too long and they need to have at least a certain sense of fear, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's not the first time it's happened. I mean, I was listening, actually, I was listening to your podcast about Return. Oh my God, Night of the Living Dead or Return, Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. I don't know why. Like, it just left my head. And one of the actors was playing a Black person, and he was Hispanic. Yep. That would be Miguel A. Nunez Jr. He's those damn enchiladas. <laughs> okay. There we okay, go. yes. Him. So, I mean, and, and he's not the only one. I don't know. I just thought... I don't feel, besides Miami Man, I don't really feel that in this movie. Um, and unfortunately, not enough people die in this movie, yeah. in my personal opinion. A relatively I, meager kill count, I gotta say. Yeah, I tried counting, I think, four? Yeah, full deaths, four yeah. Because there's not a whole lot of full deaths. So yeah, you're right. Because they also get away scot-free. Nothing happens to the dream or his harem of women, so yeah. But if you want yeah, to count how many bunnies and innocent animals like the crow die, jeezy crazy. <laughs> this is a, an animal genocide in the desert. <laughs> well, I mean, it was either I took it as either he killed the bunny or he killed her. I mean, he had to feed his daughter somehow, right? Yep. So, and he, I guess he decided, okay, I'll keep Arlen around because I already ate her arm and her leg. So why not just be nice and not eat the rest of her, right? Well, here's a great thing is if he eats her other arm and leg, he won't have to feed her as much for the remainder <laughs> of her years. And he gets the most fun parts of her. Hey, yo. Oh, that's yeah, morbidly obscene. I really resent myself for making that joke. But anyway, I, I do love that the director acknowledged the similarities with The Road Warrior. Because the movie gets distractingly similar at certain points. You know, you're seeing her and she goes so long without speaking. You're just like, oh, my God, it's Max. Like if her first line isn't, I'm just here for the gasoline, I'm going to punch someone. And then it wasn't. So I punched myself because I was watching this alone. But she said it's Road Warrior <laughs> meets Pretty in Pink with a dope soundtrack. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't know if I, I get Pretty in Pink out of this, but maybe the music and some of like the neon and fashion, but really this is something that frustrated me. Have you seen Turbo Kid? Yes. Okay. So Turbo Kid, like the fashion and the silliness and the throwback to the eighties was still cool because all the shit was still functional. Like when you have Apple and everything, cause it's like, it's long pants and stuff. And it makes sense in that kind of dystopia here. I'm like, why are you exposing so much of your skin to the sun? You're going to dehydrate and I'm like survival man and man versus wild are kicking into effect. I'm like, you need to make a canopy with your shirt. And so that was probably the most frustrating part of the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's a, it's fiction. So, okay. But I, I don't know. Oh, and then Diego Luna as the DJ. Yeah, what was that? You cast this guy to do nothing? Yeah. And then, like, the best part was when he's like holding his cigarettes and his panties. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. And <laughs> then they don't show him again. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so, I, yeah, Diego Luna could have, we could have done without him, I guess. I wish he'd have a better 
role or longer or something. I yeah. don't know. Something more interesting. But. Same with Giovanni Ribisi, where he's just like, I'm schizophrenic. You're like, oh, okay. You don't, I oh, you don't do anything? Oh, neat. Nothing. He does. I mean, I guess he was the voice of sort of wisdom in a way. Um, but he really doesn't. Uh, we could have done without him, too, yeah. I think. I feel bad. I hope he never hears this and hates me. He's a Scientologist, it, so he doesn't count anyway. Anyway, uh, the well, film was an Annapurna <laughs> picture, which is based on Mount Annapurna in Nepal. Uh, did you know that? And it's also named after a Hindu goddess. Okay. Would All you right. have gathered that from a halogen A in the desert, as their logo suggests? No, but you know, my boss is Hindu. You think I would have figured something like... Holy cow, uh, she is? So, yeah. So. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. There's only so many jokes you could make about Hindus. They've had it too good for too long. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I know. I, I did not notice that. I like. I apparently found all of the controversial nonsense keep it up along with this movie so um but i did not and i still can't get over the fact that um the woman you know with the little girl is miami man's wife in the movie i didn't take didn't take that as his wife at all yeah that's a weird little relationship they've developed huh yeah like i just thought maybe she was just hanging out with the kid or like watching the kid for him or something because they didn't seem but I guess they wouldn't because, you know, they're cannibals. So maybe they don't, they don't care. You about start people. macking too hard. You start chewing on tongues. I could see that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. So that was interesting to me. And then when I read that, I'm like, okay. So then I watched it again. I sort of got it. But still at the same time, I just didn't, I didn't see that. And like, he didn't really seem too bothered when he found her dead either. Yeah, so. exactly. It's like a live in nanny <laughs> situation. I, yeah. I took it to be like, maybe because I did understand that it was implied that that woman was the kid's mom. And so I was like, okay. But then when it comes to like her death and everything, I, I wondered honestly, if it was a conscious choice that they should be somewhat estranged. Like when she gets up and she throws a fit and she says she's had it with this shit. So that when Miami man and Arlen end up, you know, yeah, yeah. that you don't feel so lurid like the fact that he didn't grieve his deceased wife yeah so i know you're right i mean i yeah you're right okay i i will take that one so cinematography was done by lyle vincent production design by brandon tonner Connolly. i only mention that because they deserve to be googled which i did not do no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, I did google it but it's a lot of obscure stuff so shall we get into nicknames Sure, let's do it. Suki Waterhouse. First name in real life, Alice. Suki's her middle name, not to be confused with the True Blood character. As Arlen, what'd you think? I well, I read that she <laughs> dated Bradley Cooper when she was like super young. So. And then you're sitting there like Rocket Raccoon and the one-arm, one-legged chick in the desert <laughs> on top of each other. This is... She had her moment. I don't know. I I liked her better when she wasn't uh, when she got all up her up her ass about you know running off to kill the people that got her. And that's when I sort of kind of got a little annoyed by her. So, but nicknames. I don't know. Arlen. I just think of King of the Hill. Oh, okay. I've never heard person with that name before. So I was gonna go with something that was more insensitive, and instead of Arlene, I was gonna <laughs> call her Eileen. Because she has one leg and she has to lean on things. But I'm going to go with King of the Hill because that's less ableist and I feel guilty. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you do you, whatever. 
So did you know that she quit school at age 16 and basically gambled on herself being successful? Because her, her parents are a hugely famous plastic surgeon and a cancer nurse, an oncology nurse. And like oh, wow. very affluent family. Her sister is also very successful. Her brother is also very successful. And so she was a high school dropout. And so it's a huge gamble for somebody who comes from a very affluent family to just basically be like a part-time actress and a part-time like pub wench and be found in London of all places. Yeah. And what, 70s, 80s, you can drop out of school and be fine. I feel like now it's a little bit more difficult. But I mean, obviously, if her family was well off, she had something to fall back on, let's be honest. So, but she's, she's doing fine. I think she's getting other roles. She's dating famous people. So, I mean, there's that. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, they're like I said, there are parts of, of her I like, and there's, I mean, I guess we'll get into that later. I think I would like her more if it was just her being mute the whole time because her physicality is good. Her facial expressions, while a little bit over the top at times, I think fit for, you know, almost that vaudevillian kind of mime. And so the only other film that I think a lot of people would know her from is Pusher from 2012. But we're going to call her King of the Hill and we'll move on to Jason Momoa, or as I want to call him, the anti-Keanu. Do you want to know why? Why? So Momoa means dry, like the opposite of a cool breeze over the mountains, which is what Keanu means. Boom. Did you think you were going to get a lesson in Polynesian etymology? Didn't think so. That's why they paid me the big bucks. Yeah, no, that works. That works for him. And I'm also very proud that I said etymology instead of entomology, which is words versus bugs, Mm -hmm. which is a lesson in and of itself of etymology. Boom. Double. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I fucking hated this guy for the longest time. You know, you've listened to enough of the show. Everybody knows one of my top favorite films of all time, probably my most read literature for a long period of my time, Conan the Barbarian. And his Conan sucks so bad. And when he was cast, oh, the only thing he was cast in was like C-Lab 20 or StarQuest Super Seagate 2020 and Mr. Hawaiian Tropics. Yeah. Or he was in Baywatch. Oh, the Redeemer Baywatch <laughs> that gives you credibility to be a well, barbarian. He was good in Baywatch, but I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't even see that. I, I hate to say it, but I didn't even see it because it just... I wanted yeah. to give him credit because I inarguably he looks the part more than Arnold. When you like read the short blurb that Robert E. Howard had based Conan on, the way that he describes him is much more Momoa. But whatever. Did you know Homeboy got gashed in the face with a broken beer bottle in 2008 and had to have 140 stitches and reconstructive surgery, which is why he has that cute little yeah, uh, scar yeah, in his eye. Yeah, I knew he got into some kind of fight. Yeah. But, you know, I think he looks better with the scar. Yeah, dude. I mean, come on. But I don't know. I think he's I think he's great. I do like him in this role. I don't like him speaking. And we we keep touching on that. But he's a piece of hot ass man candy. Like, I don't want him talking at all anyway. Even if it was him doing like Hamlet and he had the acting chops, I'd still be like, just stand there and look pretty. Yeah, even with those, I mean, I I typically like tattoos, but his tattoos were so bad. So bad. And he's like, I used to tattoo. And I'm like, no, you should have tattooed yourself. So, and then his, you know, his, his little white pants he had on, oh whatever. The high waisted white pants. And I was like, yeah. is it after Labor Day? What are you saying about <laughs> your heck? <laughs> it looked like, um, 
I, I don't know. I, I, whatever. Anyways, enough with the pants. Yeah. So one quick thing: the guy who did the face gashing was a man named Dominic Bando, who served five years in prison, which means that he was released in 2012. And I'm sure that he went on a hunt for Jason Momoa, and then oh. Justice League came out, and he was like, "Nah, it's vengeance enough. See ya." Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not nice. So apparently before doing Conan, he was like, I think my Conan would look more authentic if I had a broken nose. And the legend has it that his friend punched him in the nose, thus breaking it. I don't mm. know that that's true, but it makes for a cute story if you have nothing else going for you in a very bad, bland movie. I thought he looked weird, like his face looked different. So... Okay. Yeah, sure. Bucci face. Next. Oh yeah. So what are we gonna call Dry Man? I was gonna call him the Anti Kaihanu, but that's a lot. That's a mouthful. Oh, so we're 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 still naming him? Of course, we have to. That's the that's the whole gimmick of this part of the show. I, know, where I get to talk know, shit about but, people I'll never meet. Well, you can call him Conan if you want, but I know that's so offensive to you. How about this? I'll call him <laughs> Nonan. Oh, that works. There we I go. Like that there, actually. Yeah, definitely. Then we go to Cool Breeze over the Mountains Reeves as the Dream, the leader of the Comfort Settlement. Can we just agree he's David Koresh? Is that a thing? Are we allowed to just call him that? I would call him whatever you want. I mean... You know, Waco, I had sex with all the women yeah, and got him pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, is that insensitive? Are we, no! are we being insensitive? Those people burned alive <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Now I feel bad. <laughs> no, don't, don't. I, that was that was that was pretty funny. Actually. So I guess but I can't anyway. fall back on the nickname Jonestown. Um, <laughs> the look on your face of like, oh, he doubled down hard there. Yeah, I did. That's... Well, see, you're the one who's saying these things. So can I get in trouble? No. So you can go ahead and say it. <laughs> what was the guy who did Om Shinrikyo? What's him? Oh, whatever. I don't know. I, well, I, okay. They were saying, somebody was saying that he was like the Hugh Hefner or whatever. Yeah. So. They don't know about enough about cults. I mean, that's clearly what this is. This is like, yeah. how many times is it that every single person in a cult, like the first thing they want to do is have sex with all of the people and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No one else can have the sex. Mm-hmm. Although I did like their t-shirts that they wore. That was pretty cute. Yeah. I would get one of those t-shirts. Not that I would sleep with him, but I would get the t-shirt. So. What if we called him like the inseminator? Oh, oh, I like that. There we go. So okay, that works. Obviously, he was in John Wick in 2014, and he was in Knock Knock, which not a whole lot of people may know, but I do constitute that as a horror. Extremely uncomfortable movie, like the whole time. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about it just pisses me off yeah. so badly. I can, anyway, Eli, I love Eli Roth, but that, like, I don't know what the hell I... That's all I have to say. I can't, I don't even want to get into that movie. If it wasn't for Keanu, I would never have watched that movie. And honestly, like if you've seen Funny Games, it's like Funny Games, but just uncomfortable the whole time. The whole time. But he had a Frenchie, so I had to see it. There you go. If those bitches did something to the Frenchie, I was just going to fucking lose my shit. So I'm just happy that nothing happened to the doctor. Scalp them hoes. Let's put that on a yeah. t-shirt. So speaking of t-shirts, the director had Keanu come over to her house. She had made a t-shirt of him on with a picture of him on the t-shirt. And she had planned to wear the shirt during their meeting. 
And she was like, okay, I can't do this. It's too creepy and weird. So they're meeting, they're having wine and about an hour into it. He's like, yeah, you know, if you pick somebody else, you know, I'm not going to be offended by it. I totally understand. And she goes, wait, hold up. So she goes to her room, gets the shirt and comes back. And she's like, this is how committed I am to having you in my movie, Mr. Reeves. I have a shirt with your face on it. And so apparently she has a picture of him wearing the shirt of his own face. Oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. I feel like I saw that picture. I love it. Maybe I did. Yeah, that is great. And she even says she's a little weird. So that's okay. Yeah. It's fine. You can be weird and have Own piano it. on your shirt. But here's yeah. the fun thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it what it is. It's a double standard. Because if I had, you know, a shirt of a lady that was coming over to my house, there's no way people are like, this is an amusing anecdote. They're like, put him on a watch list. Oh my God, that is so creepy. They, well, you probably don't watch 90 Day Fiance, but somebody did that on the show and it was just, and she was much older than him and all the pictures he had of her were like filtered really badly Ooh. so that when she got off the plane, it didn't look like her on his t-shirt. Oh yes. I love so this. <laughs> and and I, I just, to my credit, my boyfriend loves that show and I just happened to watch it. So it's not I love like, schlocky yeah. shit, man. Don't feel judged. Oh, yeah, but I judge myself for like sitting and watching it. So we're do good. you watch Holy Moly by chance? <laughs> the highlight of my week is a competitive putt putt show. So you have no oh, need to apologize. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. And then they they like make them into like a little cartoon at the end or something. Yep, exactly. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I've seen it. Because I love, I grew up uh, just completely worshipping most extreme elimination challenge. That's like the purest form of comedy to me. And so this mixes a sport, which I always look down my nose at in golf. And it's like a condescending version of golf with it being putt-putt. And then they just make these people like do these horrible obstacle courses that they always fail at. And it just makes me (laughs) very happy. Next, we go on to Jim Carrey as the hermit. Here's a fun one. So he shows up for his little meeting with the director and she's like instantly has goosebumps and they put pillowcases on their heads with happy faces so that they would not be. I don't even know how she described it. So she could acclimate to him and I guess not be starstruck. Yeah, dude. (laughs) After we just had this whole discussion about (laughs) her insensitivity and everybody cheats on people. I love it. Imagine. Okay. Imagine this scenario. I have a female actress coming over to my house and I have her on my shirt and I'm like, Hey, put this pillowcase over your face. That's not ending well. Where the hell did you read this? How did I not find any of this? Articles, baby. I read everything I could about her because it's a competition and I have to win. No, I don't have any other hobbies. That's why. Okay. Well, you you clearly won this competition. If I ever do this with you again, it's it's on. Oh, shit. Oh, sorry. That's your time for this week. See you later. Anyway. Damn. He was only on set for five days and has famously never done any press for this movie at all. Which is hilarious because I think he made more headlines not saying anything about this than he did if he had said something about it. Because so many people made it a big thing like, why isn't Jim Carrey talking about the new movie? Is it because it's bad? Is it because it's taboo and controversial? And no, he just... Jim Carrey, probably painting and putting weird fluids in his drinks. Whatever. He does his own thing. It's fine. I didn't realize that he was in it until I watched it. And I didn't even see his name. I I can't even remember if they put their names at the beginning. But when I saw him walking out and I just saw him, I knew it was him. Like Just the way he moves and everything. So, I mean, he's clearly him. He was probably my favorite character. Yeah, I would agree with that. I especially like the fact that he does stuff before becoming Jim. 
You know, when he asks for the portrait is really where he starts being like, you know, oh, I know who this is. And that's probably my favorite part. I was going to call him, I got worms because he uses some form of food to lure a crow. And I imagine that if he used worms, it would be effective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was it worms? It was something. What's something? I'm just, the I got worms is a reference to Dumb and Dumber, which we've done on this show, even though it's not horror. Yes, I, I I remember. In fact, thank you for doing all of your shows because that was when we were doing distance learning. And so while I was working, I was just putting it on. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, who do we have? Well, do you have anything else to say? No. Nope. But I Got Worms works for me. We had Yolanda Ross as Maria. That's the woman. The who, mother. Yeah, I guess. So we'll just, I was going to call her the trash lady from Labyrinth, but that's not a nice thing to say. So we could just call her. <laughs> The mother. <laughs> the mother. She works. literally has like a bag of trash on her back and she's it's talking a to a child. Laundry basket right? with like bungee cord or whatever. Right? I'm like, they're so innovative. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, there's Bootsy Bear. Yeah, it's very weird. But anyway, she gets shot in the head. It's fine. Giovanni Rabisi as Bobby, also called the Screamer. Uh, yeah. He doesn't need a nickname because he's just weird that he even, I hope he got paid nothing because it's just weird. <laughs> I feel like that would be therapeutic. If somebody was like, hey, I'm going to put some like dirty makeup on you and you could just yell violently. I'd be like, yes, I do that in my garage for free. I make <laughs> negative money after my Patreon. I'm still drastically in the red. So please give me something. You had Jada Fink as Honey, which is the little kid who's which just... He, call, he calls her Miel, which is Honey in Spanish, right? So why... So why they have to anglicize it? Fucking white yeah, people, right? I'm, I'm just... Uh, that kind of annoyed me. because you And I knew that was her name because it's like on him, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I bet that's a little girl. And then he says her name at the end and I got so excited because I was right. We can call her whatever. Call her late for dinner. No, she doesn't need a name. I just called her the kid. The kid, yeah. The last person I really wanted to touch on was E.R. Ruiz as, quote, lone man, end quote. You might remember he's the guy who shoots Momoa in the titty. He has like a severely burned face, which is actually not prosthesis. That's his real fucking face. Oh, yeah, very ap- cool. Apparently he was in a house fire when his little brother was playing with matches and his uncle named David Mosley, who was actually a famous artist, saved his life. And I know you hear Mosley. You're like, what's up? What's up? <laughs> he is related to Jack Mosley, Sugar Shane Mosley. Oh, OK. Isn't that cool? Very cool. Very cool. And he's an R&B and hip hop artist. So there you go. There's so much. There, there we go. Yeah. So what are you calling him? Oh, he doesn't need a name. He does one thing in shooting him in the titty. So he'll be titty shooter number one. Oh, God. And then he brings her back. And then he's, what does he call her? He's like, oh, this bitch was out in the desert wandering around. And I saved her from the bridge person or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. So, but yeah, how the fuck does she get that far? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, how long was she walking for to get that far? I it's mean, I weird. guess we're going to get into that. Yeah. And then she was like all fucked up and then she got as far as she did and then they couldn't find their way back. Like, I don't, whatever. No. I, I don't know. So anyway, our thesis for this, I think we were talking about before the show is that this movie should have been called the bad bitch instead of the bad batch, because like she could have had a little bit more badass moments. And I think that even though you'd be towing the line of like, oh, she's got one arm, it's post-apocalyptic, you might think that she's ripping off Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road, but I'd rather her lean more into being badass than just kind of like, I'm here. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I super resourceful. I mean, after you've gotten your, you know, both appendages sawed off and she covers herself in shit. Like I would That's have just fun. died there because I wouldn't have done that. Like uh, uh, I could just take the rest of them and I'm, I'm done. I I'm done. Have you ever smelled vegan <laughs> shit? You imagine if I put that on me? Well, I used to be vegan, so, you know, whatever, but yeah, I can't, I can't be vegan. Like it's just, it was it's a waste of time. The only so, reason I'm vegan anymore is because I've been vegan for 15 years. And if I stopped, people would just talk to me about it and they'd talk to me more about it than being vegan. So I just can't be bothered. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's much better for you. Like, you know, my skin was never better, but it's just, it's just too fucking hard. And you know, I'm at school all day pissed off. So I like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, what the hell were we talking about? So, so they have the clever workaround from the start of the film where it's all of the sounds of a prison, but you don't actually see them because it's over the title cards, thus mm-hmm. saving them on extras, you know, set dressings, lighting, all that. And then it's basically her just being tattooed uh, BB5040 and put on the other side of a fence. That mm-hmm. is a cheap and effective way to establish what's going on. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. And again, I mean, there's really, I mean, people are talking or whatever, but it, she's not saying anything. It's just happening to her. And she's just thrown out. And it's like, she's got her little jug of water and her book bag, right? And yep. she's just fucking around. Like, okay, this is it. I don't really know if they ever explained what she did to be Bad Batch. No, that's actually the really they interesting really- part. Because she's very interested in Miami Man, but he does not return the courtesy of being like, well, why are you here? Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to do his bad accent because it would impugn my accent work on the show, which I think we can agree. It's probably why most people listen. <laughs> <laughs> so she walks by a sign that says, warning, beyond this fence is no longer the territory of Texas. That hereafter, no person within the territory beyond this fence is a resident of the United States of America or shall be acknowledged, recognized or governed by the laws of governing bodies therein. Good luck. Good luck. I love that. Good luck at the end. And I love like, that it's a, yeah, it has a statutory fun. citation. So that means in the language of the statute, they say good luck, which is kind of adorable. <laughs> well, I mean, I, obviously, so what there's, they, I mean, people know what's out there. There's like the two groups, right? Yep. So we have, we have comfort and then we have, you know, the bridge people, which do we know why they're called the bridge people? I, I don't know. I think because they're trolls. Do they live under a bridge? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Like I, I couldn't, I was trying to figure it out. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm, yeah, I'm over it. So obviously, like, does she know that where she's going? Well, she has point? a flyer for Keanu the Dream, the inseminator. Yeah, so, so she has at least a vague idea, but she's not using the compass or tracking the sun. She's just like walking and fucking around with her little jug on her knees and stuff. And I'm just like, man, this is where... All these long panning shots, they remind me of Survivor Man. And I've made fun of that show a thousand times because, you know, he sets up these long scenic shots where he like walks away from the camera. But if he's truly alone, that means he has to walk back and pick up his shitty little camera. But like, at least he took that shit serious versus her. She's like, I'm going to put on my makeup and look fly as fuck in this car. Yeah. And... Well, she gets captured, right? Yeah, she gets fucking speared by long haired Bill Goldberg. It's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, like they 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 take her and you know, and then we wake up and we're hearing what was Ace of Base on the radio and Oh that she won't is another bait. I actually really like it, Ace of Base, so Yeah, it was such a fun song for her to get, you know, her arms and legs sawed off. I'm actually really sad it wasn't Don't Turn Around because she faces (laughs) away, you know, and so she gets blood on the side of her face. And so if she faces, don't turn around, lest you want to see my arm taken. 
Sorry, I had to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I retire from comedy at this point because that's as funny as I'll be. Well, yeah, no, but you're yeah, you're right. I could have been it, but I, I just like the tone of it. I yes. guess for what was happening was was amazing, and I probably my favorite part in the movie was that part. It's like the girl version of Reservoir Dogs with uh, you know stuck in the middle with you, where it's just kind of just like oh yeah, yeah, fun pop song, and then it has this really dour subtext when put in that situation. Mm-hmm, for sure. Or yeah, or even in American Psycho, right? So oh, yeah. they have this fun little song and uh, they're sawing her arm off and like, where are we at now? And this, are you like narrating the, the plot or am yeah. I getting ahead of Keep you? Keep going for it. So this is where the lady chops her shit up and then uses the skillet to cauterize the wound, which is sick. Oh, That's friggin' gnarly. Why did I wince <laughs> more at that than when her arm was sawed off? <laughs> I think it was the sound, right? And yeah. Just, uh, and poor thing, she's like passed out. And so when they inject her with with whatever they inject her with, I mean, she's still screaming. So she's screaming because this is happening, or because she can still feel it. Like, did it just make her not move? And she can still like, I don't even know. I feel like it was a ketamine type thing where she could still feel, but she was Im- immobilized. Okay, so oh, it's even worse. I mean, I guess that's why she passes out, right? So. Yeah. So, do you want to know what people taste like? So I looked up some some quotes from some actual cannibals. So we have Issei Sagawa, who is a cannibal from Japan, who referred to human meat as, quote, gamey and odorless. Sagawa mm. ate his classmate while in Paris. And then we had Armin Muse, who was a cannibal from Germany, and said that people taste, quote, pretty much like pork, but slightly more stronger and bitter. The person he ate was actually volunteering to be eaten, which is the subject of the parody of the show, The IT Crowd, which is phenomenal, and you should all watch it. Okay, I've seen it. And gamey, I believe it. I mean, like, people eat like shit, right? So why would people taste good? Why? Why? Like, that'd be like getting a squirrel. People probably taste like vape juice and shit. I wouldn't do that at all. So, I mean, yeah. And then the whole thing, and, you know, we we're talking about before with the whole, the Kruru disease or the prion, whatever the hell, which I think is just for meeting brains, honestly. So, I mean, do we have an article about what brains taste like? Because that a lot of people do that. Apparently. No, but I did read from a therapist, Karen Highland, who had noted that cannibalism is highly addictive due to the dopamine reaction. And so some of that comes out of literally chewing on part of the brain. Oh, okay. So like in raw or... Even we are. I was not expecting that question. So I might have to go back uh, to see if it's sushi brain or if it's deep fried brain, but I will have an answer for you sometime <laughs> in the future. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. Um, so it cuts out to Muscle Beach and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm so jacked. And it's so funny because Momoa anti Keanu Nonan is not the biggest dude here. And I was kind of let down. Yeah, no, I, I, I was just that confused me too because why are they so big I, I, from eating people? Like, you know how much fucking protein they'd have to eat? They'd run out of people in like a week. I know. So and and it's like they're farming these people, right? So they have them all chained up outside, which I thought was adorable, and they're just like all missing something. Yeah. And, and just so like, how long do they?
keep them around, I guess. I don't know. I just um, love the idea that all of these like half people would like sacrifice their other arm to make one full and complete person to flee on their own in their place. You know what I mean? Like their spirit got like, like they could live vicariously through this Frankensteinian monster that escapes from all of their leftover parts. Is that an overly <laughs> romantic idea for these basically meat people? I know. It's just, it was just, oh my gosh. It's, I, that, that was interesting because I never in my life would have, I don't know. There's probably other movies that have something oh, yeah. similar to that. And so like s- some kind of black snake moan stuff going on, but then she takes <laughs> out the rebar and she's like, Goodoosh! after she shit all over her spell itself and she's getting a sponge bath. I thought that was a very fun little ruse. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like the other guy's just watching her and he's just like, Sharon, I don't know. I, he seems like he's excited for her. Yeah. But yeah, he's not getting out of there. So he should have given her a hand. <laughs> well, yeah, he has both his arms. There I mean, he go. probably would have been able to get out much easier, right? Because she just skates away. I'm a little scared. Like, I mean, the fact that she found a skateboard, I, like, what are the odds? Like, you find a skateboard and you're just ready to go. Yeah. I actually think it's like I would love to see the next scene the day after when all of the meat people are just covered in shit. And they're like, fuck you. You got to wash me. Like, yeah. Like, why the hell wouldn't they all just fucking do it at this point? And I mean, the lady is dead, so they could probably just figure something out at this point. She's not going to come in. Whatever. Anyways. Yeah. So the music as she's like skating away reminds me of this artist, Goddamn Electric Bill, which I highly recommend. And then it abruptly cuts to five months later where you have Bobby running around yelling at himself. You see a gun repair sign. You see strippers. And then you have her first words, which are, hey, what's the thing? As she's talking to the schizophrenic guy who's basically like, hey, you got to figure it out for yourself. And then she walks with her new prosthetic leg back, which I thought was very nice. I really loved the auditory aesthetic, the soundscape of her squeaking and stuff. It reminded me like a spur, right? Like a a Western. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And at one point, I'm like, can't they like put anything on the, you know, some, some WD 40? WD 40 on that or something? She's just squeaking around. She can't even sneak around. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I actually really love the scene where she's like doing Metal Gear Solid in a box and the people keep looking and like, oh, that box didn't move. And then all of a sudden it squeaks and they're like, ah, I got you. <laughs> I mean, and and where did she get? I mean, okay, so where did you get the gun? Like, where did you get yeah. the prosthetic leg? Where does she have a place to stay? All like, those things. How does things. she have money? And how can she? Like, what is she doing? Cigarettes? How did she afford filtered cigarettes in the apocalypse? I don't know. She's taking it up the poop chute. Anyway, we cut <laughs> over to Jason Momoa. The Nonan is doing a painting of the child and then listens to karma chameleon as he goes over and there's another one-armed lady and she's like no please it's it's glenn close in hook where she's like not the <laughs> and then gets her neck broke the fuck off mm-hmm. yeah which you know yeah i mean i feel like that kind of shows him that he has a little you know empathy for these people right because he could have just taken her other arm and thrown her back in the in her own shit, right? That's but. a good point. I, I took it as just like being more brutal, but I guess that is kind of the euthanasia of like, well, you don't have much to live for. And after I rip this arm off, you're not going to be able to wipe your own ass. And that means it's my job to do. And I don't want to do that. No. So, you know, he just, he puts her out of her misery, like puts her down and, you know, they're all eating her later, which is 
Nice little family meal. Yep. And this is where his wife is like, I'm so sick of this shit, and then leaves. And then it cuts back to the original gal, the one who can't act, whose name I've already forgotten. The one arm. Oh, uh, King of the Hill. She's looking at porn <laughs> and she cuts out the arm and she's like standing like, oh, I'm so thick. So look at me with two arms. I know. I felt bad for her. I mean, because every girl like wants to you know what they can't have. Right. And she's over <laughs> here with no arm. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's sweet. You know, it's a nice little vapid moment for her because I mean, really, what does she need her fucking arm for? Like, come on. You mentioned her arm. I mentioned, I was, here's the thing. Ace of base was a delightful choice, but imagine this scenario where it's smashing pumpkins and it says, disarm you with a smile. And she smiles and pulls out the saw and cuts her arm off. Eh? Eh, we like Ah, this. There you go. Yeah. I know. Well, we could have, yeah, it's like it could have been any, yeah, I like that. That would have worked. But it definitely sets the tone. So then she's loading her gun and she has her winky shorts from the cover of the, I guess, DVD or whatever. And her neighbor's watching like, (laughs) and then she goes out these shipping containers and starts shooting at crows. First off, bro, crows are wicked smart. They know how to keep a vendetta. So you basically just put pissed off like the coolest flying creature that I saw in the entire movie. Not cool. <laughs> and what if that was the crow that would have brought Brandon Lee back to us after all this time? Insensitive, King of the Hill. Insensitive. And, yeah. And she can't shoot. Like, and why would she draw attention to herself knowing that these people, I mean, I guess she wants them to find her, right? So she can shoot them yeah which she does it goes straight from there where she's just like hobbling along and she just ends up at the fucking dump (laughs) and just shoots this lady we should have called her squeaky oh wow (laughs) i love that okay so but yeah she just shoots the mom in the head and i i like that the mom was even saying you know what do you want i'll give it to you like what the fuck do you want she should have said to her like something like you think that she'd want to barter for something, right? Because they don't have anything. She's singing drama rama. She's like anything, anything. Yeah. And then she just kind of <laughs> takes the little girl and now she's got a kid. And what does she do? She just buys the kid a bunny. I love it. Yeah. So, right. Well, that's how you make up bunny. for it with material yeah. possessions. <laughs> I killed your mother. Take this bunny. And then they show them killing the little bunny later. When they were put the little bunny in this thing. And I felt so badly. I hate that. So, so it, that's- It's a pervasive trope in anything horror. And it always just bothers me because it's like, yeah, I get it. I don't like people. And it affects me more to see animals hurt. But it doesn't mean that you have to do it in every feckin' movie. <laughs> And then you get Auntie Keanu No Nan on his moped looking for the kid. And that's just, that's worth the price of admission alone to see this Herculean muscle man on this tiny little moped. I just wish that it was like more effeminate music, you know? Yeah. Like, imagine it's RuPaul, Sissy That Walk. That makes it way better. No, yeah, you're right. But it just kind of just shows like, so the juxtaposition of him, this big guy on this this tiny little moped. And honestly, how is he going to... Well, I guess they had the golf cart, right? What were they riding in? They rode in on something. Yeah. So the bridge people had their own moped. They end up getting a second moped that they steal from the one dude. And then there's the Dreams golf cart later. So there's a total of two golf carts and two mopeds and a partridge in a pear tree. Okay. So yeah, like how, you know, and... I don't know how he was going to get them all back on the moped. Like that was the stupid me thinking like, okay, how the hell are you going to take your wife? And so you're just leave somebody behind. But I think he, like he sees her dad, like whatever. And the only thing that she was looking for, and I, I felt so, I kind of felt badly for her was that when she says I'm fucking sick of this shit, like, was she sick of eating people? 
Or was she sick that she didn't have enough dishes? Because remember, she was looking for plates in yep. the trash. Like, what was she mad about? And I love that she gets distracted looking at her reflection, which is a, a, I took to be like a parable of self-destruction because really it's only because she's distracted by this image of self that she falls and she wounds herself. And that's how she's able to be victim. But because of her mm-hmm. egocentrism in eating this woman's parts, that is why she ends up being victim to whatever her name is. So what do we call yeah. her? Uh, squeaky. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I changed it. Sorry. But, and the mirror was interesting. And I hate to say it because that's probably something that, you know, like you're out, you never see your reflection. Like, I mean, think about it. Like people didn't have mirrors way back when, right? So they never really saw what they looked like. And then you have this thing that you can actually enjoy and see. Which so. pisses me off about movies like The Crucible and stuff. When people be looking fine, I'm like, your face would be fucked up. Like you would have uneven eyebrows and no, no. It's in everything. Any apocalypse, like I hate it when I see anything dystopian or apocalyptic or whatever. And their makeup, women are always wearing makeup. Oh, yeah. I'm like, where the fuck are you getting this makeup and who the hell has time to put it on? Like, it takes me forever to draw my eyebrows. Let's be honest. So why? Like, make it a little bit more, in my opinion, I think it's it's very, like, it just pisses me off. Like, I feel like it's very unrealistic. They're not going to look like that. Let's be honest. Not at all. And so she lets the kid do the eyeliner and then they go to the like rave and the kid loses the bunny and she drops acid and the kid goes looking for the bunny and finds Keanu who takes the kid and it's not as rapey as you'd expect it to be. It's just kind of weird. And she goes off wandering in the desert, having a fucking spirit quest. And Jason Momoa is like, hey, I'm using a bad accent. I'm going to take you to a town and you're just going to enter the town and come out with a kid, even though once I've let you into the town, I have no purview over you or whatever. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole bucket of ass. He gets shot in the titty with her. The guy takes her like, hey, I'm being chivalrous and saving your life. And then they end up back at comfort. And then she's like, fuck comfort. I'm going back to bullet hole titty man. And she snatches the kid from the dream by pretending to be part of his harem. She pulls a gun out of her foot. And then they start a family together. Like, is that what happens? I felt like I missed so much. Like, did they have like what happened in the piss tent during the the windstorm to make that kind of connection? Oh, I know. Actually, well, I thought that was cute though because he, <laughs> well, you know, because that's probably why I like this movie a little bit because it's it's, it's chivalrous. Sense, yes, yeah, yeah. That, it, that I didn't expect, especially when I read the description of this film. I didn't know who the hell was in it. I remember Jason Momoa was in it. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to watch it. Like, who are we kidding? And then I went to actually watch it. I did not think that was going to happen at all. But then when he put the sheet over her head, it was, they were just there and you could, you could tell they had a connection. You can tell that she's thinking, okay, because I mean, really the, what is the theme of the movie is that, you know, what evil is subjective, right? It's who you're with. So even though she thought that Jason Momoa or Nonan, whatever the hell <laughs> is evil. Cause remember in the, in the cave, she calls him evil. Yeah. It's relativist. It's the Eskimos on the iceberg thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, who's, who do, who's more evil or the dream, you know, Keanu, or is it, is it these, these cannibals? Right. So, I mean, Keanu is like drugging people up. There's clearly a case system he's knocking every girl up that wants to live in the house. Like they're just making drugs all day, which, you know, teach his own. <laughs> and you know, he's, he's really no better than the cannibals. Exactly. In my opinion. So, 
Uh, would you stay with, you know, Keanu or would you go with, with Nonan? I don't. I think I would go with Nonan just because, you know, especially knowing that he's eaten my flesh. I would really love to wake him up every morning being like, if you want my body and you think I'm tasty, come on, baby, let me. And he'd be like, God damn it. Why can't I get five minutes of sleep? And I'd be like, never again, fuck boy. But Keanu, yeah, I mean, Keanu is still like a relatively nice guy. Like it doesn't look those women are mistreated. Yeah, you no. don't see any scene where they're, co- I mean, sure, situationally they're coerced, but it's not like the same thing where you got a dude who's like breaking necks and stuff. So it might be manipulative, but in a different way. So like you said, it's all relative, which is that's it's survival of the fittest. But to your point, unfortunately, I had already started a bit of my research by the time I saw this film where she was talking about it being a romance. And, you know, she had talked about making a joke about the cannibal guy, quote unquote, playing with his food in like the worst way. And so I was like, oh, well, they be fucking. And so I was actually kind of a little let down at how like passionless their relationship was. It was just like, oh, well, I'm with you by default because I can't go back there versus like, did you ever see the movie Passengers with Chris Pratt and Scarlett Johansson? Yes. Yeah, where she's like, I should not love you, but I love you. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's what I was hoping for, where it's like, I should hate you because you ate me, but I love you anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, you're right. There could have been more. I would have liked to see more interaction with them. Yeah. But and that would require yeah. them acting, which. Eh. <laughs> I know. Like, Dan, I, like, if the movie was shorter, there is no dialogue. It would have been perfect. Yeah. Right. I, I think. And, and no Giovanni Bizzi, like, what the hell? Like, and I'm so disappointed that Diego Luna didn't have a, just Speaking a better part. role yeah. in this. Why no, wasn't he Miami man? That was weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, I maybe they wanted a big person, but I feel like I feel like Jason Momoa looks the part, right? He looks he looks good in this role. Yeah. I don't hate him. I hate his accent. It does suck, but thankfully he doesn't speak too long. So there's that. So yeah, I'm looking here. I just wanted to point this out. Jason Momoa's Aquaman diet. How many calories do you think this fool was ingesting a day? <laughs> I have no idea how much because he's humongous. So Momoa eats on average 3,150 calories a day, 235 grams of protein, 308 grams of carbs, 118 grams of fat. Do you think you're going to look more like him if you're a cannibal or more like Diego Luna? Just just saying, just say. Diego Luna, yes. Yes. What Momoa needed to be is your Lord Humongous of the film. The guy who's imposing but oddly sexually tantalizing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I can see that. So that's the movie. And I got to ask you, is this a classic, a trashic, or a tragic? <laughs> I do like this movie. So yep. I'm going to say it's a trashic. I feel like it got a lot of hate. So who knows? Could be a tragic for you. I'm interested no. to hear what you think. I, I completely agree that it's a trashic. Uh, I am a big sucker for... Uh, I well, we know this. I think I've told the anecdote on the show enough times about my wife and my for my birthday. We went and saw Mad Max and Road Warrior, and I made a shirt for myself that said "I'm just here for the gasoline." I made her a shirt that said "I'm just here for him," and that was one of our first like cute couples things. And I I've always loved those movies. Aww. I love them still. I I love post-apocalyptic stuff. It, it's always very interesting. I, I because the great thing about the post-apocalyptic movies is even if I don't like the movie, I like the world building. I like how did this world come to be? How did we reach this apocalypse? And even this one, even where I was like, oh, that's kind of bullshit. I'm like, what's on the other side of Texas? 
because it seemed like those people were driving in a van and shit was fine. So it's like, is this your escape from New York where everything else is normal and this isn't? So there was enough stuff going on to where even when the action was lacking or the acting was lacking, where I was like, oh, this is so fun and fine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fun fact though. I, we didn't mention and you didn't. So I get a point. The part where Arlen or Squeaky is tripping <laughs> is actually, um, she, Lily or Amapur, she uh, went to Burning Man and was tripping on acid. And that was like her experience. And oh. she wanted to like put that into the movie. So I thought that was interesting. A whole five minutes of visual filler. Yes. I'm glad that made mm-hmm. it in because she was <laughs> dropping acid. She, she dropped acid effort. I'm like, oh my God. So I think that for me, that would be so terrifying. I don't know how people do that, but apparently I was reading an article where it's estimated that acid or LSD use in the United States has tripled since the coronavirus started. That's amazing. Oh God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's like, my, my room is boring. Better turn my lamp into a dragon. I know. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, so that, that was my fun fact. Actually, I had a couple of fun facts that Do you have any that more? There was, oh, so Guillermo del Toro gave her some words of encouragement because everybody, like, was not everybody, but a lot of people hated on her movie, which I thought was, was cute. And he said to her, to make her feel better, was that... Um, it's not as bad as Hellboy 2, get the fuck over it. Is that what he said? <laughs> That's I will, exactly what he said. How I will did you know? firmly <laughs> say, this movie is not as bad as Hellboy 2, get the fuck over it. <laughs> oh my god, that's so sad. Oh my gosh, do you think they listen and they're going to hear this and feel so bad? <laughs> He's an Academy Award winner now, what the fuck does it matter what I think? I know, I know, and Shape of Water... That's a whole nother. Let me ask you. That is a completely different. Which is the better fish sex film? Humanoids from the deep, Shape of Water. (laughs) Well, Shape of Water is more romantic, right? It is. It's consensual. So she like floods the bathroom. And how did she do that? That was amazing. She, oh my God. Oh my God. And then when she's like describing with her hands, I don't even, I'm I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I can't right now. (laughs) That's your face. I just can't. So anyway, back to what Guillermo del Toro said. Oh God, yeah. He said, he said, your film will outlive the critics. Always remember that. It's like this weird little moment of time where everyone gives their opinions on a movie, but then 20 years go by and it's way better. That reminds me what uh, Edgar Wright's producer said to him about Scott Pilgrim. He said, uh, years, not days. You know, if your movie is well, it will stand the test of time and it's not going to be this very finite period because that's one of the novelties of film. And what we characterize as a film success is two months out of the entirety of time. Mm-hmm. No, nope. I know, and so many movies are just. And horror, I mean, horror gets you know vilified. Oh because, yeah, you know. So my thing is, is that especially with horror, like you know, we have all these campy, fun movies that you know probably bombed back in the day that we love watching now. The hell was I watching Sleepaway Camp yeah. two the other day? Oh my god, which is so homophobic and so transphobic and just so horrible in so many ways. Yeah, okay. dude. Take that stuff out. It's actually really good. Like I, I mean, I like. I put Sleepaway Camp one in the same vein as the original Friday the Thirteenth. I think they are comparable in quality, and people have often yeah. thought that I was just being a contrarian. But it's like you even look at the methodology of the twist. You look at the production. It is very similar in a lot of ways, and honestly, it doesn't offend my sensibility. If somebody came to me with a straight face and said that Sleepaway Camp was better than the original Friday, it doesn't bother me. I think that's a completely valid stance. I mean, I love I love the first Sleepaway Camp, and I'd never seen part two and the, like part three, but they're all on Amazon now, and there's nothing to do. So here I was just watching these movies, but I agree with you with the comparison to Friday the Thirteenth, especially, and and especially for the time, and just 
I feel like there's more humor, obviously, in sleepaway camp, but I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you on that. So awesome. I like being agreed with. So, Adrian, do you have a sign off that you've prepared in anticipation of this appearance on the show? I do not have a sign off. I'm sorry. All right, goons. So if you liked Adrian being on the show, make sure to let us know at slasherspod at gmail.com or at Instagram at slasherspod or wherever the hell it's slasherspod. It's basically slasherspod everywhere. Let us know. And also, we're taking fan submissions where if she's ever on this goddamn show again, where you, the fan, will get to tell her what to say to say goodbye to you all. And this is the part where I say goodbye. My name is Jake, reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. This is where I need you to do the fart sound with your mouth. Oh, God, I didn't want to do that. All right. Contractually I obligated. I can't do that. You have to. You are li- I will not press stop on the record until you do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I literally like this was like the one thing that I was dreading. Like it literally was the one thing I was dreading. So not only did not want to hear me again, but um. She's like getting into character. I can't do it. You have to. I'm looking at this okay. time going by. Okay. Well, all right. We're just going to. Okay. <laughs> did you hear it? No. What was that? Was that. Did you, did you actually it. try? I did try. How do you work with do children it. and can't mouth fart? Oh my God. Well, they're teenagers. They don't mouth fart anymore. What they're the just, fuck? I still mouth gross. fart and I'm 30. <laughs> all right. I'll do it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I know. I'm a horrible person. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Thank you very much to Adrian for enduring the arduous torture of staying up mega late to accommodate the West Coast Best Coast time zone. Anyway, this is a special track from our friends, A New Chapter. I just wanted to thank Marco for getting me the track so easily and seamlessly. It's always nice when we have a hidden track participants or features or whatever you want to call these goons that are excited and just eager about sharing their art because I know when I was in bands I would love an opportunity just to you know meet new people and be shown off so it's just really cool it makes me super happy to be able to offer any kind of platform uh, and it just really makes it even better when people are eager about it you can find them at instagram.com slash a new chapter underscore official facebook a new chapter AT, YouTube, simply a new chapter AT, and their records on Spotify as well. Specifically, their new EP, Myself Nevermore. This song is called Broken Castle and it rips super hard. I hope you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and let a new chapter melt your face off with Broken Castle. (laughs) 